encourage you to take notes. Take notes. I get um, screen caps on Instagram and people tagging me and people tagging the church in their notes all week long. And it's just what there's something about what you write down comes through your hand, through your eyes again, and uh, get, gets into your spirit through repetition. You know, your subconscious mind is actually regulated by reputi- the repetitions of what you do often. And that's why even to form a new habit, you have to do something repetitively enough so that it actually gets into your subconscious mind. So notes, we're a note-taking church, so I would encourage you to do that. And whether you have a physical Bible as big as my wife's, see, the more saved you get, the bigger your Bible is. She's a super Christian. I told first service I'm oversaved. She's oversaved. And so... Can never um, be too sure. And if you don't have a physical print Bible... Um, I would encourage you to download the V1 Church app where we have the Bible and many translations there as well. But without further ado, I'm going to transition over to my man, Matt Lieb, um, to bring out the big hook and cane to tell us when to stop. What's going on, guys? How you doing? <laughs> Woo! So Pastor Mike and Julie can't say this about themselves, but who, how many people here know that we have the best leaders in the Tri-State area? Like, you don't need to read a self-help book after listening to them speak, and that's why I'm excited for these questions. But so... That's Jesus. So <laughs> that's Jesus. So let's get into the first question. Um, Pastor Mike, if you could go back and give the younger you advice, what would it be? Don't, Don't do it. <laughs> right? Stop it. Stop. <laughs> You're going to get caught. <laughs> Anyone else have that thing on your life where God's called you to something so crazy that he had to bust you out for every sin you've ever committed? Am I the only one here that you don't sin as much as you used to because you just got caught so much it wasn't worth it? There's like a special thing on my life where God's like, I will get you. You will be a pastor because I'm going to make it real hard for you to sin. And that's grace too. I got caught a lot. The younger me, I, you know, I struggle with this because something happened to me that I didn't know would happen. But as I began to make dramatic life changes, um, I actually started to feel an incredible amount of guilt. And it's weird because you could be like a really bad person and feel guilt for being bad, but you can get caught into cycles of guilt and you could actually transform your life through the power of Jesus Christ and then feel guilty for who you used to be. And that's a condemnation-based culture. So um, I had to get free from guilt. The part one of this series, we, you know, we talked about goodbye guilt. And I think that for the younger me, I would say, I would say, live your life in such a way that it's so selfless that you don't put yourself in the snare of guilt. And what I mean by that is like, I'm at a place in my life where I can hand my wife or anyone on our team uh, my phone, and I'm not ashamed or afraid of what's gonna happen if they have my phone. Uh, My computer's being used for the live stream right now. I'm not worried about that. And I think some of us, if, if I said, let me use your computer for Sunday's live stream, you'd have to go through a sanctification process. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to go through that process, right? Um, You'd be like, let me get a new hard drive altogether in Jesus' name. So I I think for me, I want to read something to you. I'm going to hand it over to my wife. Uh, This is like the first scripture I want to delve into for this question is, uh, it's actually Galatians chapter 5, and it's verse 19. 
Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you that um, this right here is a litmus test to determine uh, if you're headed in the right direction or not. And I would tell myself the root in my 20s, uh, my younger self, the root of a lot of the problems in my life was just straight up selfishness. You know, and, and I, it's funny because like selfishness, I think, is more evil than the evils that we think are evil. And, and I think it's a root. And so I don't like dealing with like uh, the branches. I want to deal with the root. You know what I'm saying? We could deal with the branches today. We could deal with the roots. Let me read to you the root. It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time, Mike Signorelli, younger self. This is me being Marty McFly right now. Because I've actually had that where I was like, man, I wish I could go back. Anyone ever had that? I wish I could go back, man. But this is, the, this is what's obvious is the kind of life that develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. So well. this is a branch now. <laughs> for the new people, we do well. Well is a Welcome way of Welcome for all who are visiting. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. Repetitive. Some of you are like, well, what's wrong with that? But here, let's, let's add to that. Loveless. Loveless. You need to be swiping that other direction on that app. And then cheap sex. What's the opposite of cheap? Cost a high price. The price that you're willing to pay for sex, and I'm not talking finances, <laughs> will determine whether it's selfish or selfless. The price that the Bible mandates is marriage. Giving your entire life. You know why you cry at weddings? Because you watch two people giving their entire life to each other, and that's beautiful. But if you're living for yourself, selfishness is the opposite of that. I'm talking about myself here. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. The more selfish you are, the greater the accumulation of emotional garbage. So my, one of my mentors told me this um, when I was 16 years old and just starting my ministry journey. He said, your sanity will always be found in your serving. You're so every time I felt like I was coming out of my mind, I wish I would have went back and told myself that more and lived it out. The, the, the real secret to sanity is serving. It's getting outside of yourself. It's getting outside of your own mind. Let me keep reading. Trinket gods, magic show religion. You know, I think that we've, we've actually um, inherited this era of magic show religion. You guys know the charismatic movements in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and the televangelists. Um, we actually inherited that culture as a result of selfishness. I believe the root of it was carnal, it was fleshly. And what I mean by that, we taught people this idea that there's this one person that has an impartation from God, that he's been given some special gift and special power that only he has, and we need to give him as much of our money as possible so that he can use those powers on us. But then we see the life of Christ in Scripture where Jesus in Mark chapter 6 actually says, he says, he, I'm going to empower you and send you out. And then all of a sudden you read Jesus actually tell guys, not only are you going to do everything you saw me do, but you're going to do greater. And so it's an inverted pyramid of the kingdom. And I think I got caught up a little bit in that magic show religion. And now I love empowering leaders. I love investing in their lives. And when they hit a home run, I hit a grand slam. And so for me, I guess I'd go back and say that. Let me read the rest of this scripture because it's so good. This is a litmus test to, for you all to see, like, you know, what, what's your measure of, of selfishness in your life? Paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition. If you're competing with everyone in your own heart, it's because you're selfish. 
Selfishness competes, selflessness celebrates. You know, there's been times in my life where God's like, you got a problem in your heart with that person, I want you to like and comment on all their posts and celebrate everything they do, no matter how dumb you think it is, until you break that spirit of pride and carnality in your life. And so if you go fast, if you rewind now uh, in Facebook and you see me like commenting on someone's post, you'll never know whether I really liked what they did <laughs> or whether I was trying to deal with the spirit of competition in my heart by celebrating them until I broke it. We're all second guessing now on the post that you've liked. No, that was old, Mike. That <laughs> was pre-V1. I showed up here perfect before We're we good. planted. We're good anyway. now. We're good now, guys. We genuinely like your Okay, last thing for my old self, a brutal temper and, and then let me, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded, small-minded and lopsided pursuits. You know what a lopsided pursuit is? Have you ever met someone that starts something, goes in with their whole existence? It's the craziest, most passionate experience of their life. And all of a sudden, three months later, it's like it never happened. Lopsided pursuits are actually the result of selfishness as well. Selflessness breeds consistency. Because I'm telling you what, we have any parents in the house? Y'all better write that one. We got down. any parents in the house? You're all still writing that last one. <laughs> um, Say it again. Here's the thing. Well, self selflessness breeds consistency. And let me explain that. When you're a parent, if you're not consistency consistent about your selflessness, your kid dies. Okay. <laughs> one of the parents tried that. Um <laughs> You have to be so consistent because you're like, if I miss that one time they cried, it might be because something deadly is going on. But self, the selflessness of a parent will actually breed consistency. And people who have a hard time being consistent are selfish. I'll just stop now. But, but Jules, what would you say? Uh, no, because, I mean, honestly, this question really struck a chord. Whoever asked this question online, because I was, you know, I've thought about this question so much, and I think the best, way for, the best way for you to live in the present moment is to actually imagine yourself in the future looking backward. Yeah, I think for me, um, if I could go back and tell my younger self, I have a little bit of a different story than Mike. Uh, I know you guys hear a lot about our story together and about having a failed marriage and we were separated at one point and just, you know, all the ups and downs of that. We talk very candidly and openly about that. Um, but uh, if I could go back and tell my younger self something, because I actually uh, made a choice very young to stay celibate until I was married. And here I was, you know, 10 years or five years, a couple years later with a marriage in shambles after a dream wedding and feeling like everything was like lost. Like, what did I do all that for, God? Why did I go on mission trips? Why did I serve every week? You know, and I was just giving God my you know, puke list of things. That's a thing. Uh, this Hashtag list, puke list. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, you know, all this word vomit about like what I'm, why, why I'm upset. And what I feel like the Lord showed me was, Julie, you did it for me. I did it unto the Lord. And I had to get out. And so sing, I talked to the, the moms in the first service, but single ladies, I'm talking to you right now, okay? <laughs> Where are my single ladies at? Where you at? Guys, look around. Look around. Quick, quick, quick. Quick, 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 quick. Some of you guys, close your eyes. Close your eyes. (laughs) 
No, but I want to tell you, like, every day that you say, I'm living unto the Lord, I'm dedicating my life to the Lord, I'm holding out, I'm not going to settle for, like, what that scripture talked about. I'm not going to settle for, uh, you know, cheap love or for a guy who won't commit or for, you know, people who are going to be up and down or keep me a secret or all those things. Are those speaking to anybody this morning? You are doing it unto the Lord. And just because you might do everything right doesn't give you a pass on life. Life happens, people sin, it is what it is. But you always have a place to go back to, which is Jesus, 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 Jesus. Come on, come on. Wow, that's awesome, guys. I need to re-listen to this and take a ton more notes. <laughs> people think I'm texting, I'm taking notes, so... <laughs> Uh, praise God. So, next question. How do you follow Christ in the midst of crisis? I feel like I could preach this with my eyes Let's shut. Let's Pastor James. <laughs> Again, I was one of those with a testimony of, like, praise God what the Lord kept me from. You know, I wasn't a drug addict. I wasn't, you know, homeless or anything crazy. I had a good life. and uh, But, man, I hit... 23 and it was crisis after crisis after crisis we had two miscarriages a failed marriage betrayal job losses a church hurt i mean literally you name it uh you know we bought a house when the housing market crashed just i mean the worst of the worst right and i really believe how do i follow christ in the midst of a crisis it is the power of the holy spirit and for those of you who maybe haven't went on a journey with the Holy Spirit, that's another sermon. But I want to tell you, like, the physical manifestation of, of Jesus's, of the Holy Spirit. Because when Jesus went to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit, and that is Christ in me. The hope of glory, it's in me. It's every day. And when I go through a crisis and I begin to doubt and fear, and let me tell you, I've been in the fetal position more than once this year. I just say, Lord, I can't see it but I believe it. I can't feel it, but I believe it because your word, your word doesn't lie. And it says that you are Christ in me, the hope of glory. So my circumstance stinks right now, but I have a hope in the future that Christ in me will be glorified no matter what the crisis. Come on. I could just kick this chair over. Kick the chair over. Matt, read that question again. I want you everyone to listen to this. Read that question again. Read it slow. How do you follow Christ in the midst of crisis? How do you follow Christ in the midst of crisis? Let me tell you a secret. You are always going to be in crisis. If you are going to get to your destiny, it's either going to be the crisis you created or the crisis you're called to lead through. You will always be in crisis. See, once I graduated from my own self-imposed, self-created crisis, guess what I inherited? Your crisis. <laughs> so how do I follow Christ through crisis? Well, you better learn how to follow him all the time. Can I read you what the Bible says about it? This is good, Jules. So this First Corinthians chapter 10, you can write this down and read it later. There are all, uh, these are all warning markers, danger, 
in our history books written down so that we don't repeat their mistakes. Our positions in the story are parallel. They at the beginning, we at the end. And we are just as capable of messing up as they were. Just as capable of messing up as the histories in the Bible, the historic figures in the Bible says, don't be so naive and don't be so self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face just as easily as any one of these people in the Bible, but it says this, forget about self-confidence, it's useless. But that ain't the end. Are you ready for the last line? Cultivate God-confidence. Somebody say, I got God-fidence. I got God-fidence. You follow Christ through crisis because you have Godfidence. I am not confident in Mike Signorelli's ability to lead this church, but I'll tell you what, there is one greater living in on the inside of me. And I follow him through crisis because sometimes I can't tell who's walking or who's walking in me and through me. We made the cut. And that's, I think some of you are in that place where it's just like you've got to make a decision whether you're going to be self-confident and fall on your face or whether you're going to be God-confident and get up every single time you fall. And I remember when we were first getting married, um, my aunt, she who was married for 50-plus years, she said, um, you know, you really got to, she said, what did she say? Wait, what it took to get them, you got to keep doing it to keep them. That's what she said. But what, what she, the other thing she said, the other valuable lesson was once you get through a crisis, you better keep your safety belt on because you're about to go through another one. And I think for some of us, that idea, if you haven't got a chance to listen to last week's week's podcast about rest. I really want to encourage you to do that. Um, but I think a lot of times we think rest is a uh, lack of crisis. That is not rest. Rest is Jesus sleeping in your boat while you're in the storm saying, peace, be still. You are going to make it. And there's going to be another storm, but you're going to make it through that one too. And when you get through that one, here comes another. But you have Christ in you, the hope of glory through the power of the Holy Spirit who will take you from glory to glory through crisis to crisis. Man, somebody say winning. Winning. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things where like she is throwing down. You're just going to have to learn how to be happy anyways. You're just gonna have to learn how to smile anyways. And I think the millennials, and I look at the Generation Z, they're thinking, I'll smile after it changes. I'll be happy after. I'll stop feeling alone when I'm stop, when I'll stop feeling lonely when I'm not alone. You're gonna have to learn how to be happy anyways. I go to Latin American countries, I go to second world countries where they have such a measure of joy that will put you to shame with significantly less and they're not even aware of it. Do you know most of my childhood, I was raised in a trailer park and didn't even know it was poverty because what we didn't have in material possessions, we had in joy. Some of the most ignorant hillbillies ever were the happiest people I ever met because they decided I'm gonna be happy anyways. And there's just been seasons that Julie and I have gone through in life where we've made a decision, I'm going to praise him anyways. Yeah, joy is not a feeling. Joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. Peace is a a choice. choice. Come on, that produces a feeling. is a choice. That's it. Come on, Matt, ask the next one before we go Pentecostal. (laughs) You want one or two more questions. That that changes my decision-making. Favorite? Okay. Let's do, what is a standout word 
the Lord put on your heart for people to know. I'm going to leave you with that. Listen, I'm going to do mine because I want her to close it out because she's the anchor. Um, she knows. She's got it. You know, I think the, the standout word for both of us, and I, I'm so excited to just share this story in like 30 seconds. Julie and I represent the type of people that knew there could be more for our lives, but we always sort of hesitated. And we never really had leaders around us that really pushed us over the edge. Like we were raised in small churches where pastors didn't pastor full time. They worked in construction and they, they did a variety of things. And so we just, we really weren't like prodded into what you see now. I mean, it just, we didn't know it even existed. And so for us, I think the word that, that God deposited in us is we kind of got to a crossroads after we restored our marriage and we went in where we just said, it's all or nothing. And I think sometimes mediocrity is a liar because you can be 99% in on something, but that 1% is what's holding you back from your destiny. And we were at a point in our life where we were leading a lot of people, our ministries were growing, and we had just all this life, and it was deceptive enough for people to think that that was actually it. But there was this 1% more of reckless abandon that we were holding on to. And, and the story that some of you know, but there's many of you that don't know, is we were at a point where we just said, you know what, I don't want to be and do mediocrity anymore. Maybe we should just give up on ministry. And we went to an actual church planting sort of like church network event. And this guy basically was thrown down from stage. And what he didn't know is that before that conference event started, we were in our car and we were saying, maybe we just serve the local church and maybe we're not supposed to be starting our own church and, and do all these things and let's just give it all up and maybe we'll just get a Disney Vacation Club membership and you know, that would be cool, wouldn't it? But anyways... <laughs> We were just in this crossroads where we were just like, we, we were like feeling the tension of mediocrity. See, mediocrity I think is worse than even failure. If you're wired for greatness, mediocrity will actually feel more disgusting than your greatest failure. Can I just be real? Is there anyone else who lives with that discontentment in their heart that is just like, ugh, like mediocrity feels worse than the failure? And we were kind of at that place and I said, and I've always been able to make money and I've always had that entrepreneurial edge. And I said, you know what, babe, let me just cross back over to being self-employed. Let's just smash a whole bunch of money and have a Disney vacation club and just like load in, load out and serve the local church in that way. But, and there's nothing wrong with that. That is somebody's ultimate destiny, but we were supposed to be doing this right now. And, and we had that conversation. It was actually my wife who said, no, I'm getting all emotional. But she actually said, no, Mike, you are supposed to be a lead pastor. You're supposed to birth a church. We didn't know what the church was gonna be named though. And then you fast forward and we're in this conference and he was like, this guy, John Varekin, is getting ready to close out his portion of the service. And he said, there's somebody here, it's a couple. And before you got into this place, you were in the parking lot and you were having a discussion about whether or not you should quit ministry at all or go all the way in. But the Lord is saying it's time to go V1. We didn't know what V1 meant. We never heard the expression, just like some of you. Why is your church named V1? We don't know. He said, V1 is the point of no return. He said he was in an airplane, and as it took off, they began to say V1. The pilot said V1, and he said, what is V1? And the pilot began to explain when they reached cruising altitude that V1 is the point of no return. It's a commitment speed. It's when you've run out of runway, and you say, this thing has to fly. If a wheel blows out, if there's engine failure, if 
with every, you are saying, I am committing to this flight. I'm going V1. And if you're that couple and it's time to go V1, I want you to hold hands. And all of a sudden, Julie and I were holding hands, man, and the tears were falling down. And we were saying, it's time to go V1. We're going to do it, God. We don't know how we're going to launch in church in New York. We're from Indiana. We're stupid. We still fight sometimes. We still mess up. We haven't, we're not John Maxwell yet, but we're going to go V1. And as soon as we birth that word in our spirit, all of a sudden it began to materialize. And it wasn't a year later, we were here. And, and you know what? It was funny because as we drove down 110 here for the first time, we didn't even know that this place was across the street from an airport. And, it was, and then we turned the street and it's Michael Avenue. And the Lord is like, enter into your destiny, son, because you went reckless abandoned. And here's what I'm saying. It's not about me, but there's somebody here. And I believe that that's why we named, I looked at my wife. I said, I know now what the church is going to be named V1 Church. And we both said, yeah, that's it. And, and I think that that word is for you. Somebody sit in a seat, somebody watching online, someone in the overflow, like it's time to go V1, reckless abandoned. I think that's really the word that, that the Lord's given us. Yeah, that's definitely the word that we've held on to in, in dark seasons. And I think there's there's one thing that I've learned this year. I don't know if it's more of a, a, a word as, as much uh, just like a prevailing lesson in my life is that uh, feelings are great. God created feelings. He created emotions. They're, they're what make the good times great. And they're what help you to, to feel the, the weight of the dark times when you need to. So so both are a gift. But what I've learned is that uh, this year in particular, my dad died in February and that it was unexpected and it was just a very tough season, is that um, feelings are liars. And I remember the hardest thing I did this year was get up on Father's Day and come to church and have to lead worship and encourage others. When me, personally, I just wanted to stay in bed and eat hot Cheetos all day. That's where I was at. That's, that was where I was at. That's what my feelings were telling me to do. But what I've learned is that at the end of my strength is the beginning of his. And if you're in a situation, if you're in a situation or a season that you're at the end of your rope, there's an old song that we used to sing when I was in church. And it was talking about like when you're at the end of the rope is where you're going to find the hem of his garment. And I've just been like clinging on to that this year because there have been many moments in a dark season where I have literally felt at the end of my strength, but then I entered into this rest, right? It wasn't a peaceful rest. I wasn't laying on Long Beach. I wasn't on a lawn chair. It wasn't the ocean. It was a supernatural rest from the Holy Spirit that when I was at the end of my strength, there was this overwhelming power that came from the beginning of his strength. And so my word for you is don't give up. Don't give up. If you are at the end of your marriage, you are at the beginning of a miracle. If you're at the end of your job, you're at the beginning of a new beginning. If you're at the end of that prophetic word, that time you feel like uh, that, that word that was given to you has run out, hold on. God has a fresh anointing for you. Don't give up. Don't give up. 
Come on, I want you guys to do something just as an act of faith. And, and this is, it would seem as if this was just a normal transition in service, but I want it to be symbolic, so just wait. In a few moments, I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet, but I'm not asking you to do it in reverence to a transition in service. I want you to do it like this. If you are bodily able, I want you to think about the darkest season of your life. Maybe you're going through it right now. I want you to think about your haters and the people who told you you'll never amount to nothing. I want you to think about the bullies in school who tried to subject you to their words and their opinion about who you were and what you should do. I want you to think about the broken marriages that produce the anger and the rage inside of you that tried to shut you down and make you quit so many times in life. And when I ask you to stand up, I want you to know that through all of that, you are still on your two feet. You are still standing firm in the promises of God. And you represent his grace. You represent his mercy because it wasn't your own strength that got you here. It wasn't the good book that you read one time that got you here alone. It was by his grace, his mercy, his mighty hand outstretched, leading you through the seasons of your life. It wasn't that medication, that medication medication may have helped, but it was God's grace all through it saying, I've got more, 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 more for you. I started taking pictures of people as we were going through service today, and I was texting them to the different people, and I was reminding them of a previous season in the last year and a half where Ju Julie and I walked in through that season, and I said, if you could only have sent this picture to you back then, that you're here leading worship, that you're here running south, that you're here with arms stretched out with a new promotion and a new job and a new car and the Lord has taken you from glory to glory to glory and I want to tell you maybe you don't have that picture yet in the natural but I believe that when I ask you to stand on your feet and you stand up that God is going to ignite you with a supernatural impartation of a picture of a you that he sees because in my stupidness and my frailty and all my past mistakes, God wasn't treating me like I was in those moments. He was saying, one of these days, you and Julie are gonna be standing on that stage and you're gonna be bringing people over as a conduit from death to life. And I'm gonna treat you like your future. And I believe God wants to treat you like your future in this moment right now. And so what I'm gonna ask you to do right now is I'm gonna ask you to just stand to your feet. Just stand up on your feet. Come on, you just defied the odds for every single time you were suicidal. You're standing on your feet right now for every single time that you didn't think that you were gonna make it financially. You are standing on your feet right now for every single time that you thought you would never go back to a church because of what those pastors and what those leaders and what those other church members did to you, you are standing on your feet now. And it's, a, it's an act of rebellion against all that pain to stand on your feet. And for those of you who thought you were going to sit down again, the Lord says stand and stand some more because the end of your strength is the beginning of mine. And you will see it in this season. So here's what I want you to do while you're standing on your feet. If you're saying, man, I listen to you preach about this treasure in earthen vessels. 
this brightness that as you get closer to Mike and Julie, you realize there ain't nothing special about them. It's just Jesus and his light burning so bright. And I need that Jesus in my life too. If you're here and you're saying, I need to be filled, I can't, no deposit, no return, right? But you need the God of the universe to deposit his spirit inside of your mortal body so that in those seasons you can make a withdrawal of a strength that's not your own. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. If you're in the overflow auditorium, you can raise your hand proudly. If you're watching online, you can raise your hand. Maybe you've got an IV attached to your arm right now going through sickness. Wherever you're at, you can raise your hand and say, I need Jesus. I wanna do this, church. I want us to all pray this prayer together. I want us to hear each other's voices to know that when we leave this place, we are truly not alone. I even believe that there's a host of angels that are gonna begin to say this with us in this place because you are not alone. So would everyone that raised their hand and everyone who didn't just repeat after me, Heavenly Father, I give you everything. I give you all my pain, all my past, all my guilt, all my shame, all my pride, I give you everything today. And as I empty myself out, fill me with you. As I decrease, increase in me. And I accept your son Jesus to wash me clean, to make me pure and holy before you. And now I worship you in spirit and in truth. I choose to go V1 today and forevermore. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together as we celebrate everyone who accepted Jesus today. Come on, let's get loud. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.